And this is Neighboring, an interview series where we ask our friends what it means to be a good neighbor. We're constantly trying to figure out uh, the different ways and the different communities and the different places where people are interacting, people are being trying to be intentional and trying to figure out this question, you know, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? We think it's different than just being a good person. Uh, but the only way that we learn is by asking questions and engaging in conversation and trying to learn from each other. And today I'm here with Kevin Chandler, a new friend of mine who's got a really interesting story and a project that co that's called We Carry Kevin. And so Kevin, thanks for coming on to this series called Neighboring and uh, hoping to share some of your story with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so Kevin, introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, people are gonna uh, see or hear on a podcast. You're with me here in a wheelchair and you have a, a condition you've had since, since birth. Um, so introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so yeah, my name is Kevin Chandler. I'm 32 years old. I've lived in Fort Wayne for about four years, and um, I have a disease called spinal muscular atrophy, uh, which basically means that the uh, message from my brain to my spinal cord uh, kind of gets messed up along the way, and so it uh, causes uh, my muscles to atrophy over time. And you recently, in the last few years, moved to Fort Wayne from, from another community, correct? Yeah, I moved here from North Carolina, uh, where I grew up, and um, just came up here because I wanted something different, and I uh, knew a lot of people here, and um, was excited to be part of the community. In this series, what we're trying to do is not only just interview interesting people that are trying to, to be good neighbors and have that conversation, but we're also trying to discuss and really expose and really kind of consider what, what other places like a neighborhood, which a neighborhood we traditionally kind of define as a geographic place where we all live, a bunch of houses or an apartment complex or something like that, or uh, wherever the local coffee shop is. But we're curious to know, like, are there other communities or uh, whether that's a workplace or a coffee shop or within uh, different people that are experiencing what it means to be uh, in a neighborhood? And uh, to start, um, I'm curious, with your circumstances and, and the way that you've been cared for, being in a wheelchair, you need quite a bit of care. Can you educate me, educate us on, like, the way the system typically works for somebody that's living with a lifelong disability that, that needs some, some help. Tell us how, how folks typically kind of manage that environment. Yeah, um, so I, it's kind of different for each disability and each individual and uh, what they need. Um, for me in particular, um, I basically once I'm in my wheelchair, I'm, I'm good to go, but there's a lot of time in life where you're not in your wheelchair, um, so I need help with, uh, you know, using the restroom and getting up in the morning, um, uh, going to bed at night, turning over in bed, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then help with like getting food prepared and being driven somewhere, you know, all sorts of things. And so um, what my schedule looks like and, and having people help out is having someone come in in the morning to get me up and uh, ready for the day and then um, at night, I have someone else come in to, to do that, and they usually stay over uh, to help uh, throughout the night. And then uh, throughout the day, just, uh, you know, I have friends around who are willing to help out if I need anything. Um, the cool thing is, 
for a lot of people, that means um, hiring nurses or going through like a government agency to, to get help. Um, but for me, uh, it's been really neat because when I moved to Fort Wayne, I, I really felt a conviction to try and uh, develop that support network uh, without the help of the government and, uh, and just have people volunteering and helping out. And I realized pretty quickly that that meant that people that were helping out needed to not be overwhelmed. And so um, we just kind of grew this group of guys that would help out. And it started with two or three and then got to be more and more. And now we have between guys that help out at night and in the morning and guys that help out throughout the day, there's probably about 20 throughout town that um, just pitch in here and there. And, you know, someone will get me up once a week or stay over once or twice a week. And um, it's really cool because it, it allows for people to be involved and to help out without it taking over their lives. <laughs> and, uh, and it also allows us to have a relationship and a friendship outside of just what I need. Yeah. And so that, that's been a really enriching and, um, and great experience. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty radical the, the way that you've kind of approached this, right? Like majority, at least from, our, from my experience, which, uh, you know, we work with, with a lot of different folks in Neighborlink and we see it and we're, we're used to the home health care, the, the, the assisted kind of process where we hire where there's a transactional nature with that. Um, and I'm sure there, there are a lot of other families and a lot of other, other individuals that are you know, taking your approach, but it's not, it's not very common, is it? Right, it's not very common, and I understand why, that there, there are a lot of needs um, yeah. and a lot of uh, personal needs that, that people would just feel more comfortable yeah. having a professional do, and, um, and sometimes that's just the case. And uh, what, it depends, again, on what people need, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty rare uh, experience um, to just have people volunteering and not only that, but them just being your friends, not being actually like trained professionals. Yeah, so. yeah I wanted to get, get to that because you, you've essentially created your own neighborhood around yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you've, you've tapped into to 20 individuals that have all decided uh, to come alongside you and help and, uh, and not like not because there's an economic initiative or there's a transaction or you know you know your circumstance but it's because you've befriended them and you've gotten to know them and they care for you and you've built this community talk to us about like how does how did you go about that like how did how has that process been what have you learned in that process because that's hard work right yeah yeah it's um i what have i learned is um it's it's not about me a lot of times it's um it's about the relationship you know i i think almost all of them have been situations where it's a friend uh that i've known for a while and then a need arises and they say oh yeah i'll jump in and help on you know help out with that um very rarely has it been hey i need someone to help can can we find somebody you know and um that has happened and even when that happens it's like a friend of a friend and they yeah. say hey i've got this buddy you should hang out with you know and um and so it's all about i mean you start with the relationship and you end with the relationship and and uh the reason that they're helping out the the motivation is kind of this idea of well we want to spend time together and 
this is how that's going to happen. You know, yeah. this just kind of comes with the territory of being Kevin's friend, yeah. in a sense. And uh, and so for most of them, it's just kind of, um, it's just part of part of the game, like part of the relationship. Yeah. Um, which is really cool because also, what that does is um, as we interact, uh, whether they're helping me or we're just out doing stuff, um, we we just build on our relationship. We have these great conversations um, because we have had this kind of vulnerable experience together mm. of them helping me in this kind of intimate setting. And so that definitely breaks down barriers and walls. And, and so as we interact in everyday life, we can be honest with each other and be real. And um, I, I really get to have these awesome deep conversations and relationships with um, probably more people than than it's typical for a person you know usually we have one or two people that we're really close to and this I, I get to have a lot more which is awesome yeah uh and a couple of years ago like the the proof of this in that model of like hey we all want to do something and this is just this is just what we have to do to, to help you uh and uh several others kind of develop this this project and tell us about like what We Carry Kevin is all about, this initiative and re how that started and what what really, what really, what kind of message are you really uh, integrating as part of that experience? So talk, uh, tell people what We Carry Kevin was all about. Sure, uh, so a few years ago, um, some friends and I decided uh, that we wanted to explore the sewers in North Carolina and we, uh, decided the way to do that was to come up with a backpack and they would carry me on their back as we did that. Oh. And uh, it was a weird and crazy experience one night and uh, we came away from that kind of going, well, what's next? And uh, so two years ago, um, we decided we were gonna go to Europe and essentially do the same thing, but for three weeks above ground. And uh, we just explored France and England and Ireland. Uh, we, we knew going in that the things we wanted to do were not wheelchair accessible, uh, but we as a group wanted to do this. We wanted to go to these places and be part of the uh, experiences that were there and um, the events and everything. And so uh, we kind of developed a, a better backpack and that would last for three weeks. And we got, a, you know, this group together and said, hey, we're going to leave my wheelchair at the airport in Atlanta and fly to Europe and uh, no safety net, no nothing. We're just going to see what happens. And uh, and so through that process, um, a lot of people wrote to us and, and contacted us and said, where'd you get this backpack? Where'd you get these friends? How are okay. you pulling off this trip? And that's when we realized coming back from the trip that we needed to respond to that properly and that was through a nonprofit and so um, that's kind of what we're doing now uh, we're working on uh, we're doing a lot of speaking we're, we're working on developing ways to uh, be creative with accessibility and um, really work with other people who are doing their own thing of being creative with accessibility sure. and uh, and just promoting that idea of, hey, let's think outside the box, let's work together as people and um, both able-bodied and disabled, realizing that it, it takes uh, effort on both sides um, to make the world more accessible. So you guys literally backpacked through Europe. 
like this ah. age old, like the quintessential rite of passage, yeah. tra life transition. Yeah. You're all going to go and decide it to do that. And yeah, we got some challenges, but not nothing that can be overcome right. because of friendship yeah. and willingness to have a shared experience, which is universal, right? Yeah. So you did that experience, uh, you shared that experience, walked away with, you know, a really cool experience, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And now you've been invited into sharing this story. Give us like the, the quick synopsis. Like, what do you, what do you as a team of friends hope that individuals like myself or the greater community that have concerns about the disability community are not really sure about how to ad even address it? What do you want us to, what would be helpful for us to know? Oh, it's tough. <laughs> where, where do we start now? Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that that is something that, um, again, both parties need to come to understand that, um, that we both have a lot to learn, um, both able-bodied and disabled. Um, but yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing that it is uh, effort on both sides. Uh, it takes intentionality and it takes humility. Um, it takes humility for someone with a disability to ask for help and it takes humility for someone who can help to step in um, but it also takes uh, selflessness on both sides um, you know if, if someone's being cared for they need to consider uh, the the needs and the heart of the person caring for them and uh, at the end of the day whether you're caring for someone or being cared for uh, you are the last person you need to be worrying about. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, I think that's uh, the biggest thing um, that we can uh, you know, be learning as a community. And um, I think if we uh, work on that within ourselves, then we're gonna see um, just a, a huge change, a, a kind of a revolution there. I've been really trying to learn a lot in the last couple of years about this idea of vulnerability. Um, from my experience, culturally, vulnerability is often seen as this like weakness or this inefficient or inadequacy that if I uh, confess that I'm vulnerable in some way, that means that I'm less than in some way. And it minimizes the giftings or the resources or the skills that I do have. And uh, counterculturally, the more that I interact and more that I interact with individuals, at least through NeighborLink with that have some sort of vulnerability, whether that's economically or physically, they have such gifts to offer in the midst of their vulnerability. Talk to, share your experiences on this idea of vulnerability. I mean, you're in it every day. What have you learned about what vulnerability is? And help me, help me learn, Kevin. Uh, um, well, vulnerability is, uh, I think it's a, a challenge uh, no matter how long you've been experiencing or, or, or delving into it. Um, just because it, it does mean that you are putting yourself out there, you're opening yourself up and saying, hey, whoever's in front of me, come on in, you know, come into my experience, come into my story and my world. And um, sometimes that hurts and sometimes it, it heals and sometimes it grows you and, and vice versa. You can help others and you can hurt others. Um, but at the end of the day, it's an experience. And um, I think that uh, it ends up being a rich thing. Um, and something that I, I've realized kind of along the lines of vulnerability is uh, we live in a culture that's um, 
so adamant about independence, you know, live independently and uh, figure out how to be independent and all this. And um, that's kind of, it, it's backwards, you know, because uh, we need to be vulnerable with each other and create a community. And um, just in the same way, we, uh, we shouldn't be independent because we, we weren't made to be alone, to live alone and, and go through this thing on our own. Um, there's a, an old uh, proverb, I guess you would say that, um, you know, if you want to go somewhere fast, go on your own. But if you want to go somewhere long or far away, then um, go with a group and because that's how you survive and, and that's how you thrive. And so uh, the only way that you can develop true uh, genuine community is if you are vulnerable, if you do uh, be honest with yourself and with others about where you are. Um, and I think the other thing about vulnerability, kind of like you were saying, is that people hear the word vulnerable and they think, oh, that means I tell everyone what's wrong with me. It's like, no, you, you, just, uh, you just reveal who you are in general. And that means what's wrong with you. It also means what's strong and great about you and, and how you can contribute. And, um, and as a result, then people see your strengths and weaknesses. And so other people see how they can um, benefit from you and how they can help you. And, uh, and so we end up just kind of doing this Lincoln log build, you know, one upon another. Yeah. So. We all have a bit of vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No matter what situation or yeah. how resourced and that vulnerability can shift uh, yeah. from from day-to-day -day life situations. But yeah. if we're not uh, willing to share our vulnerabilities, it's really hard for somebody else to use their strengths exactly. to fill in my weaknesses. Yeah. And that's the beautiful part about relationships and why it's so necessary to be connected mm. um, in your community. So talk to me about like, how is that, that, that commitment to vulnerability? Because you're, you're asking for help on a regular basis, um, but you're also offering in relationship. Uh, as guys, uh, you know, we're not necessarily always about like being open and talking and dealing with emotions and those types of things. But you have, you know, 20 people around you on a regular basis that you are interacting with and talking and uh, both they're probably experiencing both in your your verbal confession of vulnerability, but in your physical. What has that done to your relationships? Like, uh, do you think it's strengthened because of that? Or do you think it's just by proximity and by spending time together we've you've developed the relationships you've had? Oh, I think it definitely strengthens it, yeah. Um, because as you said, guys, you know, we don't sit around and talk about our feelings, but um, we are uh, doers, you know, we like action, we like uh, being productive. And so uh, for a guy to physically help me in my vulnerability, uh, it kind of loosens up, you could say, something inside of them. and, and uh, they end up being as real with me as I am physically real with them. And so, um, yeah, it just creates a, a deeper relationship and a, a deeper connection. Yeah. As we, as we kind of work to kind of wrapping this up from your, your perspective, what do you think a good neighbor is? Hmm. Um, I would say a, a good neighbor is someone who uh, looks at what's going on around them, uh, whether that is in their actual address neighborhood 
or at their coffee shop where they hang out or wherever it may be, um, when they look at the people around them and the world around them and they, they do an intake and they say, okay, uh, how can I put these people before me and how can I contribute uh, to their lives, uh, to enrich their lives? Um, I would say that's a good neighbor, someone who puts everyone else before themselves. As, a, as an able-bodied able person, um, trying to do my best at becoming friends with a wide variety of folks, including yourself and, and a disability, what kind of, what kind of feedback or like, how can, how can individuals be, be better neighbors to people of, of, the, of the disability community in general? What are some things that you wish that we should, we should know about attempting to try to be a better neighbor? Um, I, I would say the biggest thing is to just be a friend, um, you know, and uh, I know sometimes depending on the situation it's difficult but to to look past uh, the disability and uh, see the person because there is a person there, you yeah. know, and uh, uh, to um, see the heart of that person just as you would anyone and um, develop a friendship for the sake of the person. And uh, most people, if, if they need help, uh, hopefully they'll ask, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that to, um, to say hi because it's a person and um, not because they're in a wheelchair or, or whatever the case may be. Just, um, uh, and I think a lot of that takes an examination of your own heart. Um, it's an examination of my own heart that I have to to do and I'm disabled so yeah. uh, so it's kind of on either end um, it takes a lot of work and so um, yeah I would say just look at your own heart and then um, analyze you know how can I uh, love others more and um, just apply that to you know all communities um, just as much as you would any others. Well, Kevin, thanks for being on, on this episode of Neighboring and sharing your story with us. I think we've got a ton to learn. You're like one of the most adventurous guys that I know. Uh, and I want to go to China. You're going to China next, so. Yeah. I need, no, no. I need it on this trip. <laughs> well, you can hide in our suitcase. All, All right. right. <laughs> well, uh, another episode of Neighboring wrapped up. Kevin Chandler, check out We Carry Kevin uh, online, and you can learn about their trip or support their upcoming trip. And uh, this idea that, that this is driven by friendship and not, um, not anything else, that we need relationships to be connected and vulnerability is a part of that is, is really connecting to me. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week as we are back with another episode. Thanks for watching. Neighboring is presented by NeighborLink, a volunteer organization that connects vulnerable neighbors with neighbors looking to help. Neighboring is produced by Punch Films, a national full-service video production company based in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Creative direction by Lindy Bazil and Lindsay Ray Porter. Music is by Metavari off their recent album, Symmetry. Be sure to visit neighboringpodcast.com to watch or listen to other episodes.